everybody, and welcome back to Kessel Run Relay, a Star Wars podcast. Our episodes drop at the beginning of each week. You can follow us on social media, our links being in the description. This week, we have the privilege of interviewing the incredible Alyssa Wong. But before we start, hi, my name is Hayden. I use she, her pronouns. You can find me on social media on TikTok at taika.ytd, on Twitter and Instagram at mcuytd, and on Hive, I don't know if we're still using that, at balancelover69. <laughs> and my brainworm of the week is... I think I have two. I have a runner-up and then an actual one. So the runner-up was actually just introduced to me yesterday, which is the fact that we got Hoojibs in live action in the Book of Boba Fett. So for the listeners, Hoojibs are this little like rabbit creature thing. They don't have a mouth. They speak telepathically and they have this like little curl thing at the top of their head. And apparently, according to the Book of Boba Fett junior novelization, that the twins, like the people who go to Mas Espa and they bring Cursanta with them, the, 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 the guy hut, he uses a hoojib to like wipe the sweat off his, his neck. So that was brought up to me yesterday and I had not stopped thinking about it since. And then the, the winner for Brainworm of the Week is <laughs> the split second panel of Valance in Afro 6 where he's talking to Sifak and he goes, not interested. I, I had, we, I have a brand to maintain. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm very surprised. I'm very surprised <laughs> that it wasn't the solo novelization. Oh, balance oh mention. God, I forgot about that. Okay. I shouldn't have I, said anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is the last time I'll talk about it. Apparently. Okay. This is really funny. It will not be the last time she talks no, about it. Will not. <laughs> but apparently. Okay. So when everyone else read the solo novelization, they hadn't read, you know, the, the the balance omnibus, I like to call it. And they hadn't read Imperial Cadet either. So they didn't know who like Linton was, Valance was, any of those people. So <laughs> what, what, like three days ago when I was reading the novelization and there was a reference to Valance getting blown up in Imperial Cadet. I, I think I read that paragraph and then I like couldn't read anything else. And then I had to pick it up the next day and like finish reading that chapter. So that, that is also. You made like murder. 30 tweets about it. <laughs> I'll have to do a count, but yeah, that seems. That, I, that, I that woke because <laughs> you started reading when I went to bed and I woke up and my Twitter was just like all notifications from you <laughs> yelling about the one sentence. No. It's like princess and the scoundrel all over again. Except this time, I know for a fact they're talking about balance. <laughs> oh my god. Anyways, anyways. Enough about me. Emily, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm Emily. Uh, pronouns she, her. You can find me on Twitter at stardust underscore stardust M and on Instagram at underscore stardust M and then on TikTok at stardust M. Uh, my brainworm of the week or recently has been Olivia Cook as Gorn's local girl. Um, yeah, I I personally think that was a really galaxy brain fan casting on my part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Liv, hi, I'm Liv. You can my pronouns are she/her, and you can find me basically everywhere at Olivia Madala. Um, my brainworm of I guess the past little bit, because I haven't been on the podcast in a bit, um, 
would would indeed have to be Domina Tag in the <laughs> most recent Afra issue. Yeah. Alyssa. <laughs> I I don't even have words except for a thank you. But <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot for me. That was a lot. <laughs> I, I just want you to know that uh your reactions give me life. Um I'm glad because thank you. I, it just makes me so happy. Um, she is, Domino is my everything. You're sweet. I think she's she, a good time boy. Yes. I saw a Jessica Chastain TikTok and I was like, oh my God, it's Domino Tag. Yep. I saw yep. I'm pushing that agenda. Yeah. I saw a tweet this week where it was like, she was like looking like this or something. She was in an interview or something. That was Domino Tag coded. Like the look. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, the vision has been seen and it has been received and seen. Thank you. I appreciate this. I think this is great fan casting. Um, yeah! Stamp of <laughs> approval. When Hayden and I were on, was it Dyad? Yeah, Dyad. We were, talking about, we were talking about comics, but we got off on a whole tangent about Domna because <laughs> um, Element also likes her a very normal amount same as me <laughs> um and we were we were all talking about like our our fan casts for her and I said Jessica Chastain and they were like I don't know she seems too nice for that and I'm like you guys don't see the vision you don't see the vision <laughs> but anyways our <laughs> lovely guests would like to introduce themselves oh thank you um hey I'm Alyssa Wong uh I use they them um I, brainworm of the week I've been trying to figure out how much a lightsaber weighs um which is kind of wild I have um like I have a lightsaber from Galaxy's Edge and obviously this is not a real lightsaber as much as I wish it was <laughs> um but I'm always curious how much um yeah, I'm like, it's a laser sword. How much does it weigh? Like, how uh, you build it when you're really young, you have to be able to lift it then. But is the blade completely insubstantial? Like, how do you, it feels like it'd be really easy to cut your leg off by accident. Um, you know, is there like heat radiating off of it? Is that how you know you're going to cut your leg <laughs> off? Um, but yeah, no, things, <laughs> things, easy peasy, random things like that. I've just been low key thinking about lightsabers recently <laughs> for no reason. Yeah, Cause I thought at one point, like they said in the original trilogy, the reason they like swing them like, like that was cause they're like, oh, they're heavy. But then in like everything else, it feels like they're just like whipping them around. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm like, are the, are Jedi like super buff secret? Like what is, what is it? Do they, I do, they use the force to also like help lift the sabers and it's so like subconscious that's actually a really good question i'm like if if your lightsaber is essentially um you know if, if you're in tune with it like is it an extension of the force you know yeah and there's also like in the higher public i know they describe like practice sabers which are like not as strong so you don't have to worry about like chopping or like hurting <laughs> someone else while you're dueling so interesting so I've been, yeah, that's what I've been thinking about. That's my brain worm. And uh, I just low key this whole week, I've just been like, what, what are you? <laughs> that is an excellent brain worm, if I do say so myself. So you. <laughs> you're so welcome. <laughs> um, but today 
we have some questions for you, some that we've come up with ourselves and that we have had our listeners send in. Uh, the listener questions are a secret. <laughs> so just to start off, just to kind of ease into things, what's your Star Wars origin story? We like asking our guests because, you know, this is a Star Wars podcast. What, what's your Star Wars origin story? Um, so I grew up with Star Wars in the house, which is really great. Um, you know, my, my parents are huge geeks. That whole side of my dad's family loves that kind of stuff. Um, so one of my earliest memories is uh, watching Luke crawl into a tauntaun and wondering if I could eat that. Uh, the tauntaun, not Luke. Um, and <laughs> so that's my, that was my vibe. Um, I think uh, episode one came out when I was really little and I wanted nothing more than to be a pod racer. I was like, this is my, well, can I swear on this podcast? Yes, oh, absolutely. Yes. It's encouraged. Okay. All right. Yeah. I was like, this is my <laughs> shit. Like, I'm so excited. I'm so down for this. Um, but uh, I, w- I would say that that was like the very beginning. Um, and then I uh, made several mistakes in college, including uh, hanging out with a bunch of like really shitty nerd guys who were very gatekeepy about star wars and they made it really not fun and i i was kind of like well it's become very obvious to me um that this is not really a place where for me you know um like not only is it a place uh where i don't feel like welcome it's a place where i can tell i'm not wanted um so i was like you know it's fine i'll just like chill and not not be part of this um and it wasn't until the force awakens came out um that i was like oh this is what it feels like to have star wars that feels like it was made for me um i felt um it's a bit hard to explain but i think when i was watching that movie i was having such a good time um and i felt like for the first time i could see myself there um I remember seeing Jessica Pava come on screen and I was like, holy shit. Uh, It was this burst of elation, like immediately chased by like this burst of fear because I was like, there's an Asian pilot. She's going to die. Like, that's it. Done. Like the only reason why you would (laughs) have that is be like, oh, well, she doesn't really matter. She's just going to beep it. Um, And then when she didn't, I was like, oh shit. Um, So that's really what got me back in. I I loved Ray. I loved Kylo. Um, and I I don't know. It was just I loved everybody. Um, so that got me back into fandom. And from there I've I've just been, you know, full on Star Wars ever since then. <laughs> yeah. I think The Force Awakens, it really was like a gateway back into what makes Star Wars so great because I also had kind of the same situation where growing up I liked Star Wars a lot you know girls my age didn't really like it guys my age were like why does a girl like Star Wars so I kind of like it kind of filtered into the background but my dad who was also a really big Star Wars fan and like how this all happened uh, he took us to go see Force Awakens when it first came out. And then I started watching like all the sequels with my friends from high school. And actually my junior year, yeah, my junior year, one of my first or like one of my last experiences with my friends was going to see The Rise of Skywalker in theaters. So yeah, I think the sequels for us especially has really been like kind of like a gathering point. And it 
really introduced me back into like Star Wars and why I love the franchise so much. So yeah, that was really lovely to hear. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thanks. I'm glad it, you know, I'm glad it was the same for you. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, before we started recording, you mentioned a little bit how you finished writing a short story uh, this past week. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you've written a multitude of short fiction pieces, which are fantastic, by the way. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. And you've also been awarded the World Fantasy Award for your piece, Hungry Daughters of Starving Mothers. Uh, so are there any themes in those pieces, whether, you know, your short pieces, anything that you find drive your storytelling or you frequently explore in your current work or that you maybe like to explore in your future work? Yeah, no, I feel like... Um... I feel like my my stories, no matter what medium they are, are always driven by like these really intense obsessions, right? Um, it's whatever I'm thinking about. And I feel like um, in Hungry Daughters, well, okay, let me think about this. I feel like one common theme um, in what I write is people who are very intense about one thing, whether that is... Um, like an objective or a person um, and uh, who feel like they are, you know, they feel like they're either a monster or in, unredeemable or, uh, you know, just kind of a shitty person. Um, but they've kind of accepted that as just like a truth of their being. And they're like, well, I'm shitty, but I, I mean, I can't change that. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, and then like a branching path of somebody, like the branching path of like, somebody who's like you can be better um and you don't have to be like that or the other path which is you meet someone who is as monstrous as you if not more who's like the things that you hate about yourself are the things that I think are beautiful um and you see it with um a little bit with like probably like Afro and Sana versus in some ways like actually no an easier version is Ko and like everybody around them versus Ko and the Spark. So that is, I, that's like my obsession. Hungry Daughters of Starving Mothers is also about that. Um, it's about this girl living in New York um, who uh, eats people's like evil thoughts um, and she like consumes them and they become a part of her and that's how she survives. So she is constantly dating all these like shitty dudes so that she can like eat them. Um, and so it's fun. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, but it's, it's, uh, she's in love with her best friend, um, but she's like, I can never be with her, um, because she is so good that if I stay with her, I'm going to starve to death. Um, so it's this feeling that you're toxic to the people around you. Um, I am obsessed with this for some reason. <laughs> um, and I feel like all of my stories are actually about that. It's the feeling of alienation um so oftentimes on purpose um like whether or not you can trust other people to open your heart to them um so that's also a big theme of afra obviously <laughs> um yeah <laughs> it's fun i can yeah now that you've kind of enumerated i can really see that in afra especially with afra and sana and how you're characterizing their relationship which by the way we'll we'll get to afra because <laughs> <laughs> but anyway 
So prior to becoming, you know, the writer of Afra and Iron Fist, as well as Deadpool, freaking Deadpool, <laughs> you worked in video games, primarily Overwatch. Mm-hmm. So how has writing for Overwatch informed your informed your storytelling as a sequential storyteller? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, so I think that something that games and comics have in common that they don't necessarily have in common with short fiction as much um, is that I think games and comics are one, a collaborative media um, on, in a creative sense. Um, so with games, um, I, was, I was writing stuff obviously, but um, my favorite thing about working in games is that the conversation about like what we were building was like, one, it was constant. Um, we are always in conversation with each other and trying to figure out what exactly we wanted to do, how like whatever my friends in like the, I don't know, uh, working on like UI UX stuff, um, what they needed, um, talking to like concept artists and being like, hey, we're working on this new character. Um, can you show me what designs you have and what your thought process behind that is? Um, and then pulling threads from what they're working on to build into like dialogue um, and like character story, Um, gameplay designers, all that stuff. Um, Being able to collaborate on something really that like feels alive because of that type of collaboration is really exciting to me. Um, And you get that with comic writing too. Um, I I love love all my teams. but uh, there's something really exciting about writing something for, like, to try to impress, like, the rest of your team. <laughs> um, so every time I write a script, um, I'm writing it for my editors. I'm writing it for Minkyu, my artist. Um, and I think about, like, what Minkyu draws really well um, and what I want to see. So I try to lean really hard into what I think would be really fun for Minkyu to draw. Um, you know, colorist. I I love Joe Carmagna's like lettering is stunning. So I'll leave notes in my script for him and be like, hey, what do you think about this? Like, is this crazy? Well, I hope I hope you like it. Let me know if you think this is too nuts. Um, so you don't get that kind of stuff in short fiction um, at all. Um, so this is something that I I love about comics. It feels like getting presents when you get to see other people's work. Um, so that's actually probably the biggest thing I brought in game writing. Um, the other thing is um, figuring out when your words are helping what's going on and figuring out, <clears throat> sorry, I'm like kind of sick. Um, okay. Sorry. So the other thing is figuring out when your words are helping what's going on um, in the story and um, when they're a distraction. Um, in Overwatch, uh, there's not really a big like, here's the story that's happening. It's not a particularly like narrative forward game the way something like God of War Ragnarok is um, or like a lot of the Bioware games. Um, it's a live game. You're in there, first person shooter, you're shooting. The last thing you really want is like, in the moment when you're like, I'm just trying to survive, is like, here's a big lore dump. Um, as much as I personally want a big lore dump, <laughs> um, I feel like when I'm getting wrecked by Reaper, that's not like what I want. Um, so 
figuring out like what needs to happen at any given stage, um, not loading the panels down with a ton of dialogue and figuring out how to give context and um, make those moments feel really, really alive with as few words as possible is like a really exciting challenge that I love about writing comics. Um, I'm always trying to figure out what, how to do as much as possible with the least amount of words. That's like my favorite thing. So that's, so that, that's what I got for you. I, I really, I, I love that answer. And you've kind of, you kind of talked on this in the first part of your answer, but what pushed you to make your first foray into the comics industry as a whole? Oh man. Um, so my very first comics project, I was thinking about this actually earlier today. Um, I was writing for um, a, a game that was canceled called Paragon. Um, and uh, I, was, I was just like having a great time working on that, but I got a cold call like email um, from Boom. And they were like, hey, we're looking for people to write like a short adventure time story um would you be down um so that was my first experience pitching for comics and I'd read a lot of manga but I hadn't actually read like basically any western comics at that point um so I said yes and that was my first learning experience of like how do you do this um and if you look at the way a lot of I think the way a lot of like my story beats are are built in the comics that I write um I think that they actually are closer to, probably closer to manga than um, a lot of Western comics. I just haven't read that many, um, which sounds, it's a wild thing to admit as like a comics writer, um, but I just didn't, I didn't have the means to read any like Western comics until after college, um, other than like on Tumblr. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I just, like, I didn't have access to that, so it just took me a long time. And because of that, um, and because of some fairly intentional choices, um, the stuff that I write is not necessarily, like, I, I have a really hard time writing, like, classic superhero comics, um, just because, like, that form is a little bit, it's not as, like, second nature to me, I think, as it is for a lot of other superhero comic writers. Um, the Afro story is uh, I was at Blizzard at this time and um, I got a call from Greg Puck, who's amazing. I love him. Um, and he was like, hey, um, I read your short fiction. I love it. I love the way you write about family. I'm writing this uh, like B story. It's like 10 pages for back of story for each issue of um, the Arrow comics, um, A-E-R-O. Um, and it's Arrow and Wave. Um, a Chinese superhero and a Filipino superhero uh, team up. Uh, do you want to co-write with me? And I said, heck yeah. Um, so we worked on that. And the editor for that project um, is Mark Nietzsche, um, who called me about like a few months after that and was like, hey, I, we're relaunching the Star Wars comics. Um, I'm looking for someone to write Afra, and I love what you did with that. Uh, do you want to write Afra? Um, and I, was, I was in the parking lot on my lunch break and I was like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and I almost passed out. So that was exciting. <laughs> oh my God, you're just like Jay. <laughs> oh, no. oh no. Too excited about Afro, just pass out. 
Oh my god, he's never gonna live that down. Yeah, never. I'm just gonna bring it back. Hey, I know you're listening. I'm very sorry. I'm never letting that go. We love you. We love you. Are you okay? Please drink water. <laughs> We're in a comics group chat together, and every app for release day, we he usually gets them like later in the day. So people who go like or, or who are either on the East Coast or like go to the comic book store earlier, they kind of like pre-screen for him. <laughs> and then yeah. and then and we're, we're like, Jay, you need you to need, drink you water. You need to drink a lot of water. <laughs> like, drink at least a liter. You'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think the I think it was 23 when BT1 and Triple Zero were introduced. <laughs> Oh my god. We were so worried for him yeah. that entire day. <laughs> and then Ari. Ari. <laughs> Aria, after he read the issue, she took a picture of him like laid out on the couch because <laughs> I have the picture somewhere in my camera roll, but it's it's seriously one of the funniest things that's ever happened. That's the best. <sighs> I, you know what, I feel so bad because I'm like, this is probably impacting your health in like a real bad way. But I will say it is deeply flattering that that someone feels that strongly about the stuff I write. Yeah. But also, please pass out in like a safe area. Um, <laughs> like a safe, soft area, like not on your face so you suffocate. Like, don't, don't do that. Um, on your side. <laughs> Oh man. Oh. <laughs> I'll be we'll relay that information to him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is hot tips to passing out safely, I know. Um <laughs> <laughs> we need to make a handbook, especially for the next upcoming issues. <laughs> oh my god. Uh yeah, no, I would say something I love about writing this comic is I learn so much every time I do write one. And I also low-key am like, here's what I've planned. I don't know what's going to happen. I still have no idea what's <laughs> going to happen. So as these next few issues are increasingly deranged, I hope you guys like them. I'm excited. I just wrote an issue that like fucked me up a little bit. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I hope you like it. <laughs> I'm so scared. <laughs> oh my god. After Revelations, I am just, I'm very, very concerned for that whole crew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. Oh, God. Oh, don't like that. But okay. <laughs> At least you're not as cryptic as Ethan. Oh, my God. I'll give you that. Thank you okay. for that. A, a, a stiff breeze blows and Ethan's like, what if I just murdered Valance? I'm like, what? Yeah, right? <laughs> His use of gifs keeps me up at night every every single time oh my god i tweeted something about um releasing the valance cut because i was reading the solo novelization <laughs> and apparently he got cut <sighs> the thing he replied to me with i i can't even repeat it because it was out of pocket and just <laughs> it was about cutting valance up into little pieces and throwing him off a cliff unprompted completely out of nowhere unprompted. ethan this is so rude <laughs> also Never give away your best beats. Like, come on, man. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. I know <sighs> Ethan is such a, Ethan is such a troll, and and I love it. He um, is. 
just like oh my god my dude but he loves he loves valance um so i think that makes me really happy oh my god (laughs) at least he does (laughs) oh god so fun Um, (sighs) he he's on our campaign to get valance black series figures i think we need one and i i had a vision this morning so you know how they're doing, they did like the Star Wars 1977 number one and the, and 1977, I think it was 61 or 63 with the comic cover where the first one, I think it was Luke. And then the other one was Boba Fett. Okay. So the Funko Pop comic covers, they have like the cover in the back and then the Funko Pop in the front, like on the side, they could easily do one for Valance. Mm-hmm. Like they, he has his silly little armor on, like he, he <laughs> I'm connecting the dots here. I think Funko should hire me, to be quite honest. I'm on so solos t- in Target and wait, I don't like the I don't <laughs> like those Star Wars ones. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, she didn't <laughs> not appreciate the comic cover, the comic <laughs> version of the Funkos. Oh my god. I have a friend who's terrified of Funkos. He's like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. They're horrible empty eyes. Like, I don't trust them. Um, (laughs) that being said, uh, we were actually talking about this, I want to say last week in like the Star Wars writer Zoom, and I was like, we need Funkos. I found- We need Funkos! I found all the Cubs characters! I found a Dengar Funko, and I took a photo, and I sent it to Ethan, and I was like, where, where's Valance? Where the hell is Valance? Exactly. He has two of them, and Valance has none. Every time I see Dengar merch in public, I flip it off. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't help it. <laughs> so funny. I'm like, and and for whom is this Dengar merch? <laughs> exactly. Like, <sighs> which single person loves Dengar that much that you need a Funko Pop of him? I mean, ignoring the fact that Twice. I have both of yeah, them. I was like, I was like, seeker. I was like, interesting how Hay's saying this as if she isn't a secret Dengar lover. Okay, wait. <laughs> I have the Dengar Funko Pop and it's guarding. Okay, so I have a black series of Han from Solo. I have my bounty hunters. I have Boba from The Mandalorian, Chrysanthemum, and Dengar. And they're all protecting uh, Han, my Han black series box. So that's a funny tongue in cheek thing. But I I also do have the connecting one from Empire Strikes Back. But anyway, (laughs) the reason I get Dengar merch is because he's like, the one real connection I have to balance besides like Han. So yeah. if <laughs> Hello, you could just do like Zuckus and four LOM. Well Zuckus has that real... one they have that one Funko Pop. They have two of Zuckus. Like Dengar. Yes. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I say it because I have it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I... I desperately, I desperately want uh, Marvel Star Wars comics Funkos. Please. Yeah. We desperately. have, yes, we have such good ideas. I think that Kira's War of the Bounty Hunters, like Cape, should be one of them. Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. See? We need an Afro one. We need a Sauna one. We need a yeah. Tolvin one. We yeah. need, um, who else from Star Wars? Ochi. We need an Ochi one. Oh, Ochi so right. so good. Yeah. So good. Domina. Please, yeah, please. Yes. Oh my god. I think I think if Lucky, uh, if Lucky ever got one, I would yes. actually die. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Lucky and Ariel pops would just be then I I love it. It has to be it has to be a pack. Yeah, it has to be a together. Set. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do the Velcro so you can pull them apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh mean. <laughs> it's realistic. <laughs> I was gonna say, speaking of speaking of characters who um have low opinions of themselves but are just like, well, here we fucking go. Uh, just lucky is a hundred percent on that list. So I love yeah. that for him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my dude. <laughs> well, <laughs> Funko um, tangent over. <laughs> uh, well, at least we have Alyssa's stamp of approval on Star Wars comics pops because the, our little section of Twitter has been going crazy about them like ever since so the the comic covers were leaked and ever since then we've just been like pepe sylvia jiffing like just ideas <laughs> and i think we should do all of them because i know a lot of people would buy them but anyway moving on <laughs> uh, <laughs> so in your iron fist miniseries last year kind of shifting into your marvel side of stories uh it finished up last year, I think in November, I don't remember exactly which, but you had the opportunity to write Lin Lier, who took over the title after Danny Rand gave up his powers of the Iron Fist at the end of the Heart of the Dragon arc miniseries in 2021. So given its history, what was it like being able to reframe the character uh, and how did you approach it? It was really it was something that felt very special to me. Um, I remember being in college and all my friends being like, when are we getting Asian Iron Fist? <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, that'd be really sick. I'd, I'd love that. Um, and so realizing that I was going to get to do it was very surreal. Um, you know, and uh, I think that there's, there's a big challenge that comes with... Um, creating something brand new out of something that has a really long legacy um because I think there are a lot of people who love Iron Fist and love Danny specifically and so you know having a new Iron Fist was a really big change that um I was worried that people would lose their shit over <laughs> um and, and some people did um because no one likes feeling like their favorite character is being replaced um, but when we were talking about Lin Lee as like the new Iron Fist, I wanted to make it very clear that um, he wasn't just like, here's Danny Rand, but Asian, um, <laughs> but that he needed to be his own character. Um, and, um, you know, it's like Miles Morales, Spider-Man, but not Peter Parker. And that was sort of the vibe I wanted to go for. Here's somebody who's coming in um, brand new with a history. Um, and his own trauma and his own issues um and the big like i think the big core of Lindley's story was um he used to be swordmaster um and then he uh was protecting his uh, he was protecting white fox and um his sword shattered and it's supposed to be this like unbreakable like magical sword that's like his family's like legacy it's supposed it's one of like the three weapons that like seals away an evil god that could destroy the world um but his and then he like he falls into the ocean washes up on the shores of Kunlun and gets taken in um but while he's in the ocean he like low-key dies a little bit um 
and then the uh chi of shaolau uh the dragon um the like immortal dragon of kunlun um comes and finds him and is like drawn to these uh, short uh sword shards um and um comes and like imbues him with this like life-giving power um so he didn't actually choose to be iron fist um it sort of it low-key just sort of happened um but his story is actually about um what happens when you lose your identity um because for him this sword is um he's sword master <laughs> um and when the sword broke he was like i've let everybody down like this is my family's legacy um it's my only link to like my missing family members like i'm supposed to protect the world and now like an evil god might just fucking eat it um who knows um and i'm saddled with this legacy that means so much to everybody else um and is now mine how do how do i cope with that how do i how do i become this hero when i feel like i've just failed everybody um including myself um can you be I mean, can you be a sword master without a sword? Um, can you, like, how do you hold on to the things that make you you um, when you can't even do them anymore? Um, so yeah, it's also low key about um, it's also low key about disability. So that's that's exciting um, and uh, based on some stuff uh, that happened to me when I was working in games. So that's exciting as well. <laughs> I have a Iron Fist related question um because yeah. you talked about how excited you were when you saw Jess Pava who is played by Jessica Hedwig who also plays Colleen in Iron Fist oh. so I was wondering like what how like you felt seeing her on screen especially given you know unfortunately it was canceled but her ending where she ends up becoming Iron Fist oh she's so great I love Colleen yes. flawless perfect I don't know what? she's fantastic um and I'm so ha I'm so happy like I just I just love her and I'm so glad that Richard cuts me out of this. yeah I know I hope they bring her back like now that it seems like they're kind of adding like especially with Daredevil like I hope she gets the chance to really fully be it because I just think she'd be so fantastic and I feel like she'd have some really cool opportunities with like some of the newer characters that they've introduced in the MCU oh oh 100 i want this so bad i want this so bad um, i was thinking about it the other day when i was writing the questions like for me i think colleen was my favorite part of the netflix uh show and i think it's absolutely criminal that the second she got like her iron fist powers they canceled it which i mean <laughs> i know is for other reasons that we can probably get into in another discussion <laughs> but i loved her energy and i loved what jessica henwick like brought to the role also her american accent flawless by the way but she her character in the show is just incredible and i think it would be really awesome if lynn were to be the iron fist so they kind of like shared that duty i don't uh, know that would yeah. be so fun i mean i think there's something kind of wild but you know, I, I don't really think about it very often because I'm like, if I think about it, like my brain's just gonna crash. Um, but there's something really cool about realizing that the stuff you're making is going into canon, right? And 
even if that canon gets retconned at some point, it's always going to be there. And mm-hmm. that's so wild. That's so crazy. Um, yeah. And I get that feeling with Afra too. Because I'm like, this, yeah. is, this is real Star Wars. Um, and I don't know. I'm always surprised by what they let me get away with. Because every <laughs> single time I'm like, there's no way everyone's going to say yes. And then they do. <laughs> Have you ever like thought about what it would feel like to see... Like, I mean, I guess, like, either the Iron Fist or uh, Afro like, come into the cinematic universes kind of on screen. I, I think I think my heart would explode and I would just die of a heart attack. Like, I, I just, <laughs> it would be really cool. Um, I don't know. It, it sounds so surreal, I guess. Um, I would love to see it someday. Um, there's a big part of me that's like, this is literally never going to happen. Um, but... I can't but. say that that's I can't say that's true. It might happen. Who knows? Um, Listen, think, we already got chrysanthemums. I was gonna yeah. say Pokemon, that was oh my god. I uh-huh. can't even describe how I felt when I saw those little shoulder spikes on screen. <laughs> I felt vindicated. I <laughs> screamed out loud at three a.m. <laughs> yeah, say that. <laughs> that's so wild. I just. Yeah, it was it was really cool. I kept looking at. I was like, I know that guy. I threw him down a hole. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. Really, really cool stuff. Yeah, and I know after Chrysanthemum appeared, I know a lot of people, including me included, were suspecting that Afro might appear. And let me tell you, there's a scene in I think it's episode three or four where there's like a gray protocol droid that gets run over by a speeder. I I. I was deluding myself. I thought it was triple zero and I thought everyone was going to show up. Because I mean, the, the, the pathway was there. It just wasn't taken upon. Which I mean, again, a, a discussion for another episode. But, I mean, I know a lot of people have been campaigning for Afro to show up in live action. Um, and especially now with like the direction they're going of live action Star Wars shows, I think she would be perfect to show up in live action. And if any anything from your run shows up, I I don't know what I would do, to be quite honest. I think I would actually cry. Like I think I would just ugly cry, like from sheer excitement. Um <laughs> uh, if she, I hope she shows up and I hope she gets directed by Taika Martini as well. Yeah! <laughs> oh, so fun. <laughs> Sorry. Taika has always been, like, my guy. He, uh, what can I say about him? <laughs> uh, yeah, the thought of Afra being directed by Taika and, like, his style of humor is, like, you know, you know the Elmo meme with, like, the fire? That's yeah. how I feel right now. <laughs> because, like, so fun. her, like, sarcastic humor is perfect for Taika. Like, if you take the the scout trooper scene from his episode of the mandalorian and like take that same kind of brain of humor and then just throw it on afra like chef's kissery i love that i think it'd be so fun (laughs) and i know he'd love it because he loves characters like that so (laughs) micah pick up afra please anyway (sighs) So sticking a little bit more into your Marvel side of things, 
you are currently writing Deadpool, which I'm very excited about. I've been a Deadpool girly ever since I watched Deadpool for the first time illegally because I was like 15 when it came out. But (laughs) what has been kind of like the coolest or the most joyous thing about getting to write the character so far? Oh, oh, it's so fun. Um, (laughs) Speaking of things I didn't think I'd be be able to get away with. Oh, my God. Um, I think my favorite thing about writing Deadpool is like trying to thread that needle, like that that humor needle. I'm like, everything needs to be kind of wild. Stupid jokes everywhere. But also there's some things where I'm like, I don't want that to be the joke. So figuring out like what things I'm okay with versus you know, and then making that very Deadpool is always a fun challenge. Um, I I think my favorite thing about writing him is I'm leaning really hard into the romance. Um, I, again, here we are, characters who are like, yeah, here's this thing that I, I'm just like this, and I'm going to make it a joke because um, the idea of like, you know, nobody likes me, they think I'm ugly, uh, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to make people laugh uh, to cover that up. Um, that's really interesting to me. Um, so for this run, I'm giving him a love interest who's like, no, I'm obsessed with you. Like, you're my favorite thing. Um, and that throws him off a lot. <laughs> um, so I think getting to write like the really, uh, I kind of pitched this particular uh, arc and actually the whole run as like uh, shoujo manga meets body horror. Um <laughs> So for Deadpool, it's getting to write those stupid jokes, like the stupid kind of horny jokes, and um, also like sort of reflect them off of like this very earnest and kind of, in that sense, kind of unsettling core, <laughs> where he's like, oh no, I'm not ready for emotional honesty. This is not my vibe. <laughs> um, so I've been having a lot of fun, and uh, Martin Cocolo is just amazing. His art is so, so beautiful. Um, and Niraj Menon's like colors are, I feel like his color choices are always really interesting um, and unexpected. So I love that too. Yeah. So speaking of body horror, like you've said before, your Deadpool run, as you've pitched it, is very much founded on the funky things that happen to Wade Wilson's <laughs> body. So how this is more kind of getting philosophical, but how do you plan to explore his relationship to whatever happens to him and how it affects his character? That's a really good question. Um, And I think that's something that I explore every time I write a new issue. Um, I'm always interested in people's bodies. I think like um, the, uh, one of the first things I remember reading as a kid, uh, my mom used to get these dermatology uh, magazines, like medical journals. and they'd always have like wild cases on the front where it's like, can you diagnose this anomaly? And I was like, no, I can't. I'm like, um, but, <laughs> but I used to read them all the time. And I was just like, wow, wild shit can just happen to your body at any moment for, for who knows what reason. That's crazy. Um, so with Deadpool, um, I think his, his body's really interesting in that sense. Um, basically anything his whole thing is like he's unkillable right so I always wonder for for me I think the thing I'm getting at is um you have this essentially not a hard shell you have a very soft shell (laughs) a very soft unkillable shell um and when your body is always regenerating I feel like people 
people can kind of treat you like shit, <laughs> right? Because you can, they can punch a hole in you and essentially suffer no consequences. Um, and so for me, with Wade's body, I'm always like, what limits can I push it to? And how does that affect you as a person and the way you think about yourself as disposable or not? Um, so that's something I've been, I've been thinking about. Um, like, yeah, you've got this incredible gift of regeneration, but because of like, how does that make people treat you? I don't know. That's something that I find really interesting. Yeah, no, I think I find that the most interesting about him as well, because even in the movies, they, you kind of explore his relationship to Vanessa, like, how does he view himself now that he has these powers and I really love that about your one is that you're really exploring like how it affects him and not just like how he doesn't just like use it for quips but how it makes him feel as a character thank you I really like yeah. that um, you're welcome <laughs> there's um there's a moment in hold on yes there's a moment in the issue that just came out I didn't want to do anything <laughs> Um, where uh, Valentine, his love interest, helps him, and he's like, "Why? Why are you doing this? I don't understand why you do this." And Valentine says, "It's because I think you're cute," and he's just like, he's crushed by this. He's like, "I don't understand why anyone would think I'm cute. I was hideous as a kid, um, and I'm hideous now." Um, but Valentine's like, "I don't, I don't understand. I think I think you're cute. Like, let's go, let's go on a cute date." Um, and he is haunted by like the physical manifestation of this comet uh this cuteness as they go on this date um and I think that like I love playing with the way that people see like the way people see you and your body versus the way you see it I think that's always a, an interesting tension that I love playing with and I think shows up in basically every single one of the comics I write yeah I I really enjoy that aspect. And speaking of body horror uh, in relation to Deadpool, it's been a prevalent theme in your, at least your comic book work thus far. Even in Iron Fist, when you have the, when you have the dad like turning into that crazy thing in the kitchen, that was <laughs> interesting. Uh, but do you have any more plans of exploring that in Afra? It was explored a little bit in the first arc with the Rings of Veil, but I know personally, I would love to see more. Oh man. I mean, I'd love to see more too. I was going to say, uh, the, the whole Spark Eternal arc is kind of body horror. Um, you know, it's the horror of losing control of, of your body and not being able to have full say about what's happening and like how scary that can be. Um, so it's a little different from like the kind of gnarly body horror that I, I do for Deadpool. Um, but I'm always, I always want to lean hard into horror. Like that's just my, my first inclination. So um, I think romance and horror actually both, I love them because they live in the body. Um, you make something and it makes someone feel very intensely a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, I find that so appealing. I love that. Except also don't pass out, Jay, please. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's too strong. <laughs> <sighs> okay, that was funny. Uh, oh, I forgot <laughs> what I was gonna say. Um, whatever, it's okay. I, I'll probably remember sometime in the middle of like another question. But 
moving back a little more into Star Wars, you know, the galaxy far, far away. It's kind of a silly question, but what is it like being a canon character in My Night Horizon, which I read, I read a couple of weeks ago. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, it's surreal. Oh my God. I was just, I was reading it. I had low-key, I had low-key forgotten. Um, so I started reading it. I was like, hey, what? Um, yeah, no, it was really sweet. Uh, Daniel, Daniel Jose Older um, was texting me and was like, hey, if you were in Star Wars, what would you, what would you be? Like, what would you want to be? Um, and I was like, well, first off, I'd want to have pink hair. Um, if I had the force, I'd probably use it for stupid shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> shenanigans. Um, I would not be a Jedi. Um, and uh, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I'd be someone's like the harried PA at like, for like an assassin's organization or something like that. Um, and then later he was like, hey, surprise. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> oh my God, you did this? Um, so I, I love that. I love Crash, um, Star Wars Crash. Uh, and I love how different she is from me. I think that that's really exciting. Um, and also I love finding the similarities um, that Daniel put in there and probably wasn't expecting me to be like, oh shit, that's literally just me. <laughs> um, I think I would lose my mind if I ever got the chance to write Crash. I, I think it'd be fun. <laughs> I was reading it and I knew that he had based a character off you, I think from Fulcrum, I think. Not sure where I heard that from. But when he introduced the character and it was Crash Agua, I was like, wait a second. I think I literally texted our Discord that we had and I was like, I knew she was based off of Alyssa, but damn, Daniel. <laughs> that made me giggle. I know, it's like, Alice Ongwa. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you really did it. Right like, on the nose. <laughs> you went for it. <laughs> yeah. So funny. And I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be like a random background character. That, that no. Was, no. <laughs> oh my God. I just, Main I guess I desperately want her to to get together with Spino. I'm like, when? Literally, yeah. when? Yes. Mm -hmm. You you've talked about it. you both. You're both in love with each other. Just just fucking get get your shit kiss. together and, and kiss. kiss. Out. <laughs> <sighs> so moving forward a couple hundred years in the <laughs> Star Wars timeline, <laughs> uh, you recently, I believe, last year for the Pride uh, Month content that starwars.com did you did an interview with kieran gillen about afra and what she means to the universe as a whole and how has been being able how has being able to write for a queer character of color impacted you and how you see yourself it's been awesome it's been so vindicating um and and it's really helped this is going to sound wild but i think that it's really helped me like um emotionally open up <laughs> Um, I, you, the chance, the chance to do that, um, is so rare. Um, and it's something that means a lot to me. Um, Afra, there's so many things I love about Afra. Um, one of them is that she is like, she is a queer woman of color who doesn't have to be a good person. <laughs> um, she's just a person. 
um, and she makes mistakes and she's a mess. Um, and I feel like that is really relatable um, to, you know, I think that there's a reason like the disaster queer thing is like, a, is, is, a, <laughs> is a vibe. Um, I think that it's really relatable to, and then it's a relief to have somebody who's out there doing wild stuff, making mistakes and not having everything together who doesn't have to be a role model. Um, and it can be really nice, especially if like you're a younger person who's trying to figure out your stuff to be like, here's a character who doesn't have everything together. Like that's who doesn't have to be like, I mean, who doesn't have to be a model minority in not just in like the Asian sense, although that is a hundred percent also a thing um, that I think about when I look at Asian characters in media. Um, but who doesn't have to be like a paragon of like perfect behavior in order to exist. Um, so I think about that a lot um, when it comes to people asking for specific queer stories and only those stories as if being a good example is like the price you have to pay in order to exist in the world. Um, so, I mean, it means a lot to me. I'm I'm excited. I love that I get to write this cast full of queer people. And it's basically an all-queer cast. Um, and that is so rare. I I did not think I was going to get away with it. Um, but Star Wars has been, like, Lucasfilm has been so supportive. My editors have been so supportive. Um, and I think one of the most special things has been getting to write Kofan Ferris's story. Um, I really wanted to write like an explicitly trans Star Wars character. Um, I feel like it is, it's unfortunately very rare to get that chance. Um, but to get to do it and for Star Wars and in a Marvel comic just felt crazy to me um, and very special. So I think for me, it's been, it's been very healing in my heart. <laughs> um, I, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't come out until much later because for like safety reasons and um I think I always knew as a kid I was like I need to get my shit together I need to get out and I need to be safe before I can be who I am and I think Star Wars getting to write queer Star Wars was like this deep affirmation that you know I was like this this is it like I feel like I I feel like I finally gotten there and um being able to build that kind of space for other people um to feel seen and to feel safe is something that I that is really really important to me um so it's it's really helped um I uh came out <laughs> I came out as non-binary uh mid run <laughs> so that's been that's been really really lovely and seeing how supportive and kind and enthusiastic the star wars comics fan community has been has been amazing so that that's what that means to me it was really sweet <laughs> i i love that answer and we do have a couple questions about that in our listen in our listener questions um but we can save that for our second part of our interview <sighs> but so you started talking a little bit about Kofan Ferris and what they mean to you. Um, I feel like this question may be a little biased, but who's your favorite character that you've created for Afra and why? 
Oh, no, you can't do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> Doing it. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no, it's a toss-up. Because I love them all. But I think it's a toss-up between Ko and Lucky. Um, Lucky's very special. Uh, when um, when I was pitching like the original concept for my first arc, um, it was like, Afra, old good old fashioned Indiana Jones like archaeological rumble, some with with like horror flavored, um, <laughs> with a new team. And when I was like, okay, who's the new team gonna be? Um, Lucky was the very first one for me. Um, I was like, I want a handsome Han Solo style smuggler, um, and I want him to be Southeast Asian. That was like, also I want him to be bi as hell. So that, that was like, <laughs> yeah. so that was, that was it for me. Um, and he has a very special place in my heart and um, secretly is unfortunately a lot like me, which I didn't realize going in um, until my spouse was like, hey, that, that breakup conversation um, that he has with Ariel, we've had that before. Um, Except I know that was the face I made. Um, <laughs> except we, except we did we didn't break up. But um, side note, I I was I did I did have that conversation once very early on in our relationship. Um, I was like, I've got too much shit going on, and the last thing I want to do is have you deal with that. So I'm gonna so we're gonna break up in this parking lot the day before Valentine's Day, which was rough. <laughs> Um, and we didn't which was good because I had flown across the country to visit them and uh, that would have been really bad because I was also staying with <laughs> them in their family's house so that was <laughs> anyway say so yeah, I've made a lot of questionable decisions in my life and that was pr- that ranks pretty high um <laughs> But yeah, lucky, lucky special for that. Well, not for that reason, but because <laughs> um, he was—he's my first baby, and um, and I love him, and I, I think his his story and his journey is really interesting, um, which you'll find out more about as as we go on. Um, and then Ko is just—I fucking love Ko. Uh, I I built them as like. Um, I was talking to my my friend uh, Emma Candon, who wrote, um, oh. yeah, who wrote the Ronin uh, novelization, and I was like, "Hey, I have this dumb idea for a character, like for a villain, one arc villain, and only then, only one arc." One I arc. I know it didn't work out that way, <laughs> but I was like, "Okay, so I'm thinking, um, I want to have someone who like really wants to be a Sith, but is like a like a Sith Chunibyo, right?" Like over the top, like enthusiastic, like the the kind of kid in middle school who dresses up as a Sith and is like, yes, dress me as like Darth Blackheart or whatever. Like that's <laughs> the vibe that I want for this arc's villain. Is this too much? And Emma was like, no, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I I wrote Ko and I was like, no one's gonna like this kid except for me. And that's fine, that's enough. Um, cause they're so ridiculous. I'm like, you're a little clown. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but as, as I wrote them, I was like, oh, you have, you have a lot going on actually. And 
the the la- the piece that really made them click for me because they're like oh i'm your nemesis afro and afro's like i have no idea who you are and sana's like who, who is this person and i was like how do you know afro right like where did this come from and when i realized it's oh because you guys went to college together and you know this has been this one-sided like nemesis ship and like the person who is because of that really important in your life to you in your life has completely forgotten about you that's fucked up and that's really interesting to me um so that's when i knew that their story was about how (laughs) about how someone can roll in change your life forever and like how they just completely can change your entire life trajectory <laughs> the um, siren card cassie and andor dynamic <laughs> <laughs> oh it so is it's the who are you again who are you? <laughs> i spent years of my life obsessing about you you don't know who i am <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's oh, that rough funny. buddy it's rough <laughs> Speaking of Ko and Lucky, uh, okay, here's a kind of tangent. What do we call the group of Afra's exes, her wards, and her dad? Because I've been calling them Afra and the exes as like a catch-all, but that's not uh, it's not accurate. <laughs> and her dad. <laughs> and her and dad. dad. Exes plus dad. Uh, Afra's exes and their dad. And her dad. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, so it's funny, I originally pitched that arc, and again, this is one of those things where I pitched it as, like, a joke, but I didn't think they were going to do it, um, as uh, the Fast and Furious exes, um, <laughs> in which uh, in which a group of exes uh, come together and they're like, surprise, we're family. Also, the thing we're trying to steal is you, so <laughs> you see if, like, a group of exes can, like, Fast and Furious-style heist Afra and learn something about family along the way nobody um, needs the to ocean, make the fast the oceans. The 11 like <laughs> a lo- how many are there like five or somebody, six the oceans somebody five the fast and furious <laughs> poster but with the afra crew and then and then dom is afra's dad <laughs> yeah he's got he's got the haircut so to speak um <laughs> so yeah I, i've i've just sort of been calling them like the the group of exes and then Afra's dad (laughs) (laughs) and it is I mean it's all these people who have their own reasons for being like absolutely not um but who've all been brought together because someone has changed their life forever has deeply touched them as a person so to speak so uh (laughs) it's it's been it's been really fun um and I can't wait for you to see how that's gonna pan out (laughs) don't like that either (laughs) ominous ominous it'll be fun it'll be fun it'll be great (laughs) i'm squinting my eyes right now (laughs) thinking into your body in that moment (laughs) currently thinking about that last panel of afro 28 i'm very scared i'm very scared it'll be it'll be fine it'll be fine um Charles and I have been 
we we had to talk and coordinate a lot of stuff and i hope i hope i hope you like it charles is in his mind oh um, don't say that i'm already so scared for hidden empire and now hidden empire 5 comes out the week of celebration that was foul by the way Wait, I don't know. Yeah, yeah they moved it, it comes out april 5th yeah. so depending on what happens charles soul may not be safe <laughs> Jake, th- for legal reasons, that is a joke. But oh my god. <laughs> I, oh my god. Yeah, I don't know whose I'm decision that was, but that was foul. Oh, I that gotta find mean. out. I gotta find out when F of thirty slash thirty one comes out. For also oh, for... no thirty one. No, 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 no spoilers. No spoilers. But yeah, we'll see. We'll find out. We'll see. We'll oh see. My god. So <laughs> let me let me see if it's on League of Comic Geeks. If it goes that far in advance. Yeah. Um. There may not be covers, but it should be there. Yeah. I love that silly little app. Me too. After 31, April 26th. You're safe. You're safe. <laughs> For now. Wait, For now. Sorry, sorry that, was, that was 30 or 31? 31, and then 30 comes out April 12th. So oh, right so after. Yeah, so right after Celebration. Oh my oh, god, boy. three <laughs> issues of Afra in a month. <laughs> I think back to back too. Wait, April well, right? twenty nine comes out in f- this month, February twenty second, and then we don't get anything until April. Oh, it's like what happened last year with Bounty Hunters. Oh boy. Ooh. Hey, at I'm... least according to League of Comic Geeks, it might. League be. of Comic Geeks is usually pretty <laughs> accurate, given like a day or two. So, I'm trusting them. <laughs> uh, well, I think thinking about yeah, this is fine. Don't worry, it's fine. Um, <laughs> this will be good. Yeah, no, actually that scheduling makes sense based on some stuff that Charles and I were talking about. It's fine. Everything's great. Don't worry about it. It'll be great. <laughs> now I am only going to worry about it. <laughs> no, no, no. It's great. It'll be it'll be fun. I'm excited. It'll be fun. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> Kenshin over. And back to my original question. <laughs> we we go on a lot of tangents on this podcast. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> um, so Afra and exes and her dad are in some precarious waters after last week's Afra issue. Um, so what was it like to create most of the characters in that little troop? And what was it like to bring them together, especially in the face of whatever the heck Afra's going through with the Spark Eternal. Oh my god, I did create mo- That is wild. I forgot. <laughs> oh my god. I totally forgot. Um, it's been great. It's been um, amazing. <laughs> um, I've really loved writing... I was gonna say, I've really loved writing Sana, um, who I did not create. Yeah. Um, but um, she's the glue that holds everything together. Um, yeah. She she's the only one who has at least a little bit together. <laughs> I know Sana is the responsible friend, um, and everybody else is is going to is going too hard for various <laughs> reasons, going way too hard. Um, I've really enjoyed getting to write Magna Tolvin again. Um, yeah, she uh, it, it's been nice to bring her back and see what she's been up to in, you know, since the end of Afro Volume One, um, and. Uh, I love seeing how everybody's relationships play off of each other. Um, I think 
I, I didn't realize how much I like group like team books um I'm usually like a one character plus maybe two others kind of person but um it's been it's been wild um I know that probably doesn't say very much um but I think you have a lot of characters with different history um we're all together in one very small space by which I mean the fleeting um (laughs) and uh some people know that history some people don't and so figuring out who knows what at any given time and who's giving what away and why they're reacting and who has any idea why people are acting the way they are is so fun. It's so fun. Um, I think uh, Dead is going to have some strong words. Uh, so uh, that'll be great. It'll be great. Also, Co did a canon. Thank you, by the way. <laughs> I forget if it was, I think, was it 27 or 28 when Detta wrote the, uh, I almost said the email. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, the voicemail? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, for sure. I, as soon as I knew that they were gonna, they were gonna meet, I was like, oh, this is a no-brainer. Like, <laughs> can't wait to see them kiss on the mouth. Anyway. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, speaking of last week's Afra issue, uh, you brought back the Ubis, which most of them were introduced in the one shot during the War of the Bounty Hunters event in the Bosch Boosh. I never know how to say it. Bosch. I, I need to rewrote for Return of the Jedi, but anyway, in that one shot. So without spoilers, what role do they play in your series? You know, kind of being this middleman between the tags as well as Crimson Dawn. What's going on there? Oh man. Um so uh yeah, so I, I was gonna say no spoilers. Let me see. Um <laughs> what I can say really briefly is uh I was like, Bash, how are you alone? So I made a little I built a little crew for him. Um I think uh they so the thing is there actually wasn't very much that I could find about Ubi's culture. Um so I was like, can I just make some stuff up? And they were like, Dope, go for it. um so bash being in exile um and then like finding other upis who were also exiled um and then like sort of building a pseudo family um was something that i really enjoyed getting to do um and now they're working for dominant tag um in her infinite who in her infinite mercy uh spared them after they tried to murder her um because (laughs) Because sometimes information is just that important. And sometimes you just, I mean, why would you get rid of something you could use? So I love, <laughs> so I love that for them. Uh, they're great. They're fun. Um, and I'm basically just like, if I see a chance to use them, they're coming back. Um, Cause I, I have a deep, deep soft spot for them. Um, so I guess we'll have to see, but I did really enjoy um, writing 28, um, which is, you know, we'll, you will see them <laughs> okay <laughs> but, uh, the truth the truth is i missed i missed writing them and domina um from the bathroom yeah. and i wanted to see more of that so i i put them in 28 and then we'll see what happens down the road <laughs> i just yeah. like that they always signify that we're getting a really really sexy action-driven <laughs> domina comic pretty much like i love them for that 
the the heralds of action domino <laughs> yes yes i see them and i'm like yes <laughs> so yep <laughs> again i didn't think i was gonna get away with some casual garden sheer murder but like no yeah. one was, <laughs> no one minded so i was like okay let's go they listen they're just the starbucks starbucks oh my god (laughs) the star wars comics are just pushing the girl boss agenda right now yeah between domina and kira like god those those are two mm, those are two characters and i'm like it's a very good thing you want to kill each other because if you (laughs) join forces i'm pretty sure the galaxy would be doomed like this is oh yeah fantastic the trilogy would be retconned (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Palpatine would die like instantly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of going more into general stuff, but if Africa could use the world between worlds and travel back in time to the higher public both phase one and two, which characters would she find in each phase first and why? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh man, damn it! You should ask Daniel this because <laughs> I want to know his answers. Um. Oh jeez. Oh jeez. Oh man, I don't know because I think if she could travel back in time, she'd be like, "Okay, I'm back here. Can I bring? What can I bring back that would make me the most exactly?" Money? Um. So I don't. As I as, as funny as uh, Afro and Starlight Beacon would be. <laughs> um i oh geez i actually don't know because there are too many good options afra gets leveled not clickbait (laughs) (laughs) oh my god um i don't know because maz always has something really interesting and good but but we see maz in like our present timeline so i feel like that's not as interesting as an answer what do you guys think oh i would oh i didn't think about that um (laughs) i think i don't know i think she would go and find wreath and then she would force him into an adventure he did not want to do but would secretly have a lot of fun that would be really fun um i'm really i i I, oh go ahead oh no she'd want to steal vernestra's light whip yeah yes i think she'd immediately try to take it (laughs) Her with the lightsaber whip is just so powerful. Like, really. And then for phase two, I think, unfortunately, she would find Sunshine Dobbs because he's just horrible and likes money. <laughs> I mean, birds of a feather, you know? And I, <laughs> I was I going to say, she... her and Axel Greylark chaos twins. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my Absolutely. God. Absolutely. I, I... I think she would break him out of prison. Oh, 100%. 100 oh my god how did i not even think of absolutely yeah like, how did i not think of that oh my god uh, emily has the galaxy brain she she's like the most put together one on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> that that's perfect i was gonna say dank Grax, but like i think absolutely yeah <laughs> i think they would have fun a lot of fun Where's that fanfic? I want to read that. <laughs> I, want, I mean, I guess I'll have to write it. <laughs> <laughs> so wild. 
Yeah, that's my answer for sure. Axel, 100%. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I feel bad for Chancellor Greylark. I'm trying to get him out of that one. (laughs) Gela already has a headache, I know it. (laughs) (sighs) So out of all the current runs throughout the universe, you know, Star Wars, Bounty Hunters, uh, Hyperspace Stories, which run or or group of characters would you want to write? Oh... Oh, that's really hard. It's so hard because the moment you write something, you can't read it, right? Like, yeah. So if I want to read, I want to read Bounty Hunters. Like, if I'm writing it, I already know what happens, and that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd want to write something. I'd want to write some High Republic shit. I think. Um phase I mean I guess phase three because phase two is you know slotted for slotted for immediate arrival um (laughs) but uh I'm gonna cheat a little bit um I want to write Daniel's characters sorry Daniel (laughs) (laughs) Alyssa's Um, taking over by the way yeah your kids are now mine um (laughs) High Republic Adventures would be really fun um and uh, so would something like Trail of Shadows E. Um, oh, I think that something that I, the reason I'm drawn to these is I think Daniel imbues such an intense feeling of fun, you know? Um, everything he writes is exciting and, and the characters are playful. And even when like shit's really intense um, mm-hmm. and people feel very deeply. And that's something I'm really drawn to. Um, I think that I feel I would feel bad essentially stealing uh, my immediate coworkers jobs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that uh, two that I, I actually would not want to write um, is I wouldn't want to write Vader because that is a really hard job. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you do it. Like, I don't know how Greg does it. It's so hard. Big shoes to fill. Right. Like, I think and I think Charles wrote Vader, too. Like, it's. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you do it because there's so many tent poles or so much canon for that character that for me I would feel too fenced in um and everyone has Vader opinions and I would it's just too much it's too much um and Star Wars I think for a similar reason um everyone has Mm -hmm. very intense feelings about those characters and everyone Mm -hmm. is like I know who they are but everybody's idea is different they just don't know it um so I feel like no matter what you do, you're going to make people unhappy. Um, and you might make some people happy, but it's really hard. Um, so that's why I'm like, High Republic, it's brand new. Um, there's so much room to build new stuff. And that's what makes me happy, is building new things. So, And then if I wrote Bounty Hunters, then uh, I'm not as big a troll as Ethan. So who would... <laughs> Who would make you stressed out every week? Certainly not me. <laughs> I wait, I asked Ethan this question because it's very my brand, but uh if would you ever want to write anyone from Rogue One? And if so, like what would you want to do? Oh me. Yeah. Oh. Oh my god. Oh no. Well, I would have said Cassian, but now with Andor, that makes so so much harder. Uh, 
it's funny. I actually, in some ways, I would, I think I'd want to write gin. Um, but the thing is, I actually, this is my secret and it's terrible and everyone's going to hate me. I hate gin or so. <laughs> I, I hate gin or so. And here's why I hate gin or so. Um, because I think we were promised something that we didn't actually get. Um, like her whole thing is she's like, I, I'm a rebel. I'm like a criminal, you know, I'm, I'm out here, I'm breaking rules, but we never actually really get to see her use those skills specifically to solve the problems that she encounters in Rogue One, I think. Rebel Rising. If you were Rebel Rising by the three fifths. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my god. Sorry, did I answer the wrong question? No, 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 no. I was just saying, no, I was saying that like as like more of that is in uh, Rebel Rising. Okay, by Beth Revis, because that's kind of like her uh, pre-prison era, which uh, kind of does a lot to break her. <laughs> okay, good, because like that—that's the biggest issue that I had with with Rogue One specifically. Is I was like, you could pull Jin out and put anybody else in, and the movie would play exactly the same. And for me, that is a pretty big failure. Um, so I'm glad to hear that it gets fleshed out. Um, I have, I'm the only, I know I'm the only person on the planet who doesn't like Rogue One and that, and that's why. Um, and it's totally fine. Everyone's going to be like, you're canceled. And I'm like, yes, I know. <laughs> I've canceled myself in my heart. It's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> Alyssa Wong is over party. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, but I think I, Cassian was my favorite part of that movie. Um, and I think if I could, I think I would like to read a lot more i want to see i think ethan I was like, likes gin so i want to yeah I wanna yeah he Ethan's his story. answer was a, a joker comic yeah. <laughs> which when, is like my joker yeah to when he fair, answered when he answered i was like this is emily's joker this is like right joker. here <laughs> and i was like to be fair there's still quite a bit of cassian to explore because we got a lot of details about like his teenage years and like Min his bon. years on ferrix minvon and but also like his years on ferrix with like Fix and Brazo that still has not been necessarily fleshed out so I feel that's, like there's still opportunities that's <laughs> and I would I'm love to write. see what you would do with his character oh, thank you I would really I'd love to write Cassian um I think he's very tricky um mm-hmm. to write and I I think that would be a really fun challenge um also i can never write gin because i want to read ethan's gin <laughs> <laughs> i do too i'm like <laughs> i want ethan to write it so bad i need my <laughs> my uh, rebel rising companion comic series <laughs> got a rebel rising adaptation they need to do more adaptations i loved the thrawn adaptation i they also love- have the uh like Leia and Lost Stars manga. Oh yeah, the manga. Too. Yeah, I wish they would do that with like all the YA books. Either give them comic adaptations or give them the manga adaptations. <laughs> I think I was talking to Charles at the last celebration, um, and he when we were talking about characters that we'd want to write, um, he actually brought up Leia. He was like, "I think it'd be interesting to see to see you write Leia." Um, yeah. Ooh. So. Oh yeah. So that would be fun. I mean, I'd be down. I I can't say, I was going to say, I, I'm not great at characters who are, who are good. <laughs> um, 
so Luke Skywalker would be really really hard for me but like (laughs) but I love a challenge I love a challenge and I love people who have a lot going on internally so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Leia would be fun Luke would be fun still rooting for you to get Fennec Shan comic (laughs) I want it so badly I I will pay Marvel Entertainment money to have you write Fennec Shan (laughs) I know we talked about it a little bit at Celebration but I it is what we need it is what the people on this earth Mm -hmm. need I would love that um I think I think she'd be so much fun I love writing like older women with a lot of power um it's like my vibe um I was gonna say I think that Afra would immediately fall in love oh yeah um no question (laughs) I I actually think and I actually think Lucky would just be like I've I've found I found the person who I want to be when I grow up like a hundred percent like I need you to teach me everything and Fennec would be like why why are you here (laughs) why are you here um I think it'd be fun give a lot of fun (laughs) yes I know a lot of people are rooting for it (laughs) this podcast included uh so kind of in the same vein what is your dream project to write it could be ip independent anything any form you name it what is it Ooh. right now high republic like i think that would be if i could pick something that's like somebody else's ip it would be high republic i just want i just want to write some high republic stuff um I think it's, I want I want to make people kiss and I want to make everybody cry. Yeah. And that's that's my goal. Um so that's my dream project um for someone else's IP. Um but I would love 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 to write something independent as well. Um I have something actually um but um my agent was like I told I told my agent I was like no we cannot we can't shop this around yet. Um because if I say yes to one more thing, I will actually die. Like I, I can't, I can't physically do anything else. Um, but and they were like, I don't, I don't love that we have to sit on this. But you know what? If you, you're probably right about your commitments. And I was like, Yeah, I am. I know I am because I'm already dying every day, just a little bit. That being said, <laughs> um. I actually have a project coming out. It's a secret project. It's coming out with DC. Um, and uh, it is, I think it's coming out this year. So uh, keep an eye on that for, actually, oh shit. Yeah, keep an eye on that real soon. Um, so uh, I hope you like it. Please read it. <laughs> it will That's make so me, exciting. It'll make me really happy if you read it because um, it's really it's it's very special it's um it's pretty singular and I've never done anything quite like it um but it's very close to I think the kind of stuff that like lives at the very center of my heart so DC you'll know it when you see it please read it um and I'm excited (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to let my sister know she's a very big I mean she's a big comic fan but she is a very big DC fan so I'll have to let her know about that (laughs) Thank you. It's um again, it's a chance to build something that is a little bit stuff we haven't necessarily seen before. So that'll it's it's gonna be really exciting. Exciting, exciting, exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so just to close out our kind of portion of our questions, 
do you have any plans to attend Star Wars Celebration in London this year? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going. I'm going. I really, I'm so excited. Um, I am going to, I don't care who I have to bribe or like Ochi kick. Um, I, I want to be, I missed the High Republic panel last year because I was cross-programmed and I was so sad. So this year I want to like, I want to be there to see what happens, you know? Like, I I don't care what I have to do. I'm making it into the audience next, this upcoming year. I, I need, I need to know. I need to know. <laughs> so, so yeah, I was just really sad that I missed it last year. And that's my, that's my main goal celebration is to, to be in that audience and see what the fuck happens. Um, so High Republic panel, I'll, I'll be there watching you like a creep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that's that's my goal, and I think um, seeing all the people just so excited about Star Wars is really special. Um, and I really want to meet all of the like all of the European Star Wars fans. Um, I know a lot of people are are coming uh, to London, so I'm excited to meet Star Wars Twitter. Um, please, <laughs> please come, please come see me. Um, I really want to meet you. Also introduce yourself because uh, as far as I know, you are in fact a uh, cartoon picture of a Star Wars character. So, I will, uh, so please introduce yourself. Tell me your handle. Tell me who you are. Don't be shy. It's not weird. Also, if, if I met you last year, we were wearing masks and probably will be this year. So please introduce yourself again anyway, because I only remember your like face from eyes up. <laughs> So, so please, 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 I want to meet you. Come, come see me. Yay! Yay! Well, I know we are very excited about London this year. It's, we've talked about it a little bit with our friends before, but like before we were kind of like getting to know each other, you know, meeting each other the first time, the celebration is going to be wild. We are <laughs> probably not going to shut up this the entire time. So I know we're very excited um and we can't wait to see you there thank you so excited <laughs> so now we're gonna move into some of our listener questions which we've kept secret from Alyssa <laughs> uh. <laughs> um and yeah so we can start off with one that's been kind of answered a little bit already um so this is from Ella at Cherielle on Twitter and she asks if you could write a story during the High Republic, who and what would it be about? Oh God, all right. Oh God, there's so many good options. Uh, I would want to write about, I want Crash and Spino. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love them. I love Spino. I think like, I have a lot of favorite characters, but Spino, despite not showing up in very many things is way up there. Her pop um, star. The gluptioism. I love her. So good. Um, so I want to write and or Cantum Psy. Yes. I, I think it's important to say that Cantum Psy single-handedly changed how I felt about Jedi. Oh. I I think I think because um the prequel trilogy, I saw it so young, I was like, mm -hmm. great. 
Jedi Jedi are shitty cops. I hate them. <laughs> um, but all that to say, I don't actually hate Jedi. But um, I think Canton was like, I, I understand now. I understand why people care about Jedi. And I understand um, now that there are so many different ways to be a Jedi. Um, and sometimes that means walking away and then coming back. Um, and I love that Canton did that for their own reasons, not because of some like deep organizational obligation. Um, mm. So again, like I said, the only thing with writing something is you can't read it. Um, but I think that I would I would love to write Canton um, and I'd love to write Sfino. So <laughs> that's my two. So this next question comes from Shazil, who asks at Arizi Aralani, who asks, Star Wars has always been centered around the Jedi and the Sith as the most powerful beings in the galaxy. How did it feel to create a new sect of individuals, the Ascendant, that rivaled Force users in power? And how did you draw the line between being impressive and overpowered in terms of their technology and abilities? Oh, this is a great question. Um, so when I was pitching the, the arc where we meet the Ascendant and get really into that stuff, um, I was like, could they actually, like, could it, could it just be like Sith stuff? And Lucasfilm was like, what if we tried something that was like, you still do like dark force stuff, but maybe not Sith. So I was like, okay, not Sith. What about knockoff Sith? And then I was like, <laughs> what are the different ways that you could be a knockoff Sith? And, and I thought about it. I was like, well, what about stage magic, right? Um, how do we, what about practical effects? Um, so figuring out, Basically, I figure out how you like uh, Dollar Tree Sith. Um, <laughs> like that—that that was fun. Um, so Ko's got the magnets um, and um, and the whip um, and all that fun stuff. Um, it's essentially like it's like my admiration for my deep admiration for cosplayers um, meets like a, essentially a college robotics club um, <laughs> operating at the highest level. <laughs> They get the most funding. <laughs> yeah. With the, with the dash of like mischief and evil in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I was going to say, uh, I shouldn't say too much about this because uh, you're going to see some stuff in the next issue of Afra. I'm very Ooh. excited about. Um, <laughs> but for me, it was like, I actually went and like looked, I was like, what are, what are some Jedi and Sith powers? Um, and I spent like weeks trying to figure out like what exactly the force did before I realized it doesn't really matter um, <laughs> because everyone's making things up, right? Like it's not real. Um, so figuring out what I wanted to do specifically and then seeing what I could do to make those specific things happen is sort of at the core of the whole thing of the Ascendant. And there's a lot also about like, what do we actually know about you know the things that happened once upon a time and you know with records that have been lost um everything's supposition um at this point so we see a lot of that in the ascendant arc as well um where we only like Afro only knows a little bit versus what we actually find out about them so fun stuff yeah i, ho I hope that answered that question because <laughs> the big thing is i mean you do what you want and um trust yourself to balance it and then find ways to make that happen yeah 
Um, so our next question is from Cam at Cam and Film, who asks, as a writer myself, I was wondering how it was you got into a career in writing and subsequently comics writing. How does the process work and how is different and how different is writing comics to writing a book? Ooh, okay. Let's answer that in reverse. Um, it's very different. Um, <laughs> and I think it goes back to the collaborative nature that I talked about before. Um, mm -hmm. When you're writing a book, it's just you and the book. And that's it for the longest time. And the process is super long. Um, and then when you, you know, your editor, your agent will get involved. Um, maybe not as much your agent in terms of editorial work, unless they are specifically like, that's a specific thing that they like to do. But you're building this thing that is just so big. Um, and it's a very like solo endeavor. Um, whereas comics um, for me, it's a lot of pitching. It feels very live, like an alive process um, mm -hmm. where I'll be like, here's my outline and like, here's my pitch for this arc. And as soon as it's submitted, it's like, write the script really fast. Um, and each script is only, it's 20 comic pages, which for me usually ends up being about 40 pages of work. Um, and I'm, I would say each page takes me minimum about an hour to figure out. So two issues of Afra would be like a full week's worth of work, I think. Um, and that's with no breaks. And if I have everything together, but that's way faster still than writing a whole book. Um, there are some similarities um, in the sense that you want to know how things like start, how they end, and also leave room for experimentation and things just sort of happening as you work through it um but I think writing a book is really really hard so is writing comics they're just two different flavors of difficult um mm -hmm. so I have a lot of respect for anybody who write anybody who writes novels um I've done it a couple times before for different things but like I don't it's it's really it is not my strength and that's okay <laughs> um as for how I got into writing, um, I've always loved writing. Um, I think um, I started reading really early um, and I started writing really early just because I had so much story stuff. I just wanted to play with it. Um, and uh, I think growing up, I was like, I would go to Barnes and Noble and I'd be like, someday I want to be able to look at that shelf and be like, I wrote that, I wrote that book. Um, so. I, I was kind of like, I'll just do, I will get a normal ass job. Um, I'm going to be a surgeon. <laughs> um, and then in my spare time, my extremely excessive spare time as a surgeon, um, I'm going to, I'm going to write books. Um, and it just, it didn't work out like that. Um, so I don't know. It, it all sort of it all sort of came together extremely chaotically. Um, I started writing short fiction in college slash slash right after college. Um, that's when all of my short fiction started getting attention. Um, and then I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I actually wanted to be an editor for a hot minute, um, and uh, I ended up applying to grad school because my parents were pressuring me to, and like life was like on fire at the time 
um, I got in, got my MFA um, in creative writing, again, basically by accident, <laughs> um, met this guy who became, who like had just moved to my city and was like, I'm looking for other writers to like hang out with, who turned out to be like the narrative director at Epic Games. Um, and then he recruited me for my first games job. Um, thought I was going to get out of games after that ended. And then I I applied for the Blizzard job as like on a lark. Accidentally got it. <laughs> moved moved to Irvine for like a couple of years. And then, I mean, it's the whole thing. And that's how you end up writing like Star Wars comics. Like who, who even knows? Like, I don't <laughs> really know how this happened, but I'm glad it did. <laughs> But You're just yeah. like me for real. I felt that in my soul. <laughs> I, I always feel bad when especially like people love to be like, how how do I work in comics? I'm like, I have no idea. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> like I have no good advice for you because I don't know how this happened to me. <laughs> oh man. But I think the biggest thing there is like, do you love writing? Because it's such a hard fucking thing to do um which is why I love it um and if you love it just keep chasing it and I think I mean I think that's the only way you get there is you just keep going um and you can't do it for other people right like ultimately if you are writing to like impress your parents or if you're writing because you want people to love you there's so many easier ways to do it than writing um but if or if you want to be like I was published like again there's so many easier ways to do this <laughs> than trying to write professionally but if you are doing it because you're like I'm fucking obsessed with story and I want to get my hands in it and it's the only like this is probably very bad advice you're like this is the only thing I care about then think about that and be flexible and see what see what fucking happens you know but always keep chasing your craft that was a lot. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so the next question is from Georgia at Keen Create on Twitter. And she asks, what is your process writing characters who have already been established? And then she says, thank you for Queer Domina. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> that changed my life. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, yeah, I knew as soon as, as soon as she was on the page, I was like, Oh my god, Afra's gonna have a heart attack. Like she's <laughs> absolutely. Um, I'm just okay. Side note. So he, this ties into my actual answer, which is that when I'm writing pre-established characters, I do a shit ton of research. Um, again, one of my favorite parts of of this. When I was writing um, Iron Fist, I um, I like to do a lot of research in very short amount of short amounts of time, so I remember it all. Mm. Um, but I read like 2500 pages of iron fist in like two days or something like that um, i just like brain downloaded all of iron fist um <laughs> and then i made a chart and i was like okay here's the title of like the book i just read um here's who wrote it here's what i liked about it here's why i thought it worked here's what i didn't like here's why i thought it didn't work and then i just went through and i did that for like everything that i read and by the time I had made my way through, I was like, okay, everybody writes characters differently. Here are the pieces that I liked. 
um, here's, and by then I'm like, here's how I want to write that character. So that's how I do it. Um, I read, I think all of Afro volume one, I think Sai was still writing the last couple issues, but I read all of that in one go, um, in like a day or something like that. Oh my God. Um, this is giving me flashbacks to our War of the Bounty Hunters episode where we had to read everything in like a day and a half. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Don't feel bad for us. We had the choice to read this ahead of time and, and space it out. There was all three, three of us chose have not yeah. ADHD. <laughs> and, and we chose not to. <laughs> Every single one of us. <laughs> I feel that on a deep level. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think... Um, I always pay attention to what my impressions are. Um, so if I get a vibe from a character, I'm like, the fact that my brain pointed that out, that's important. Um, so I guess the the TLDR there is I read a shit ton in as short amount of time as possible. I take notes, I compare my notes, and, um, and then I build from there. Um, for Domina, Domina was really interesting because I think she got brought up possibly by one of my editors who was like, oh yeah, she was like a, a Marvel, Star Wars Marvel character from like the 70s, 80s. She was um, a nun. She was a nun. <laughs> I know. I was like, what? And they were like, yeah, like, I don't know. She's interesting. I was like, ah, okay. So I read about her and I was like, you know what? She is really interesting. This is what she was before. What if I how do I want to play that in this modern era? How do I essentially, how do I essentially modernize her enough to fit into what we're doing specifically with Star Wars Marvel comics? Um, and they told me I couldn't make her force sensitive. So I was like, okay, well, that's like her one like powerful thing. So what if she's just like, what if she's Girl just- boss. Girl boss. Right, what if she's just- <laughs> Sexy. What if, what if she's just like hot and terrifying? Um, <laughs> oh, she's just my type. Right. It's, it's a it's a it's a problem i love her um i think it clicked for me like she and the tags specifically clicked for me when i was like okay what if we bring back all the tags the whole family and also they're just like if you made everybody a slytherin and they're all shitty and they're all extremely corporate like that's that's it's succession it's, it's succession so <laughs> It's succession. So I was like, okay, well, what do you do if you are the youngest sibling of this family? And also you're like, I'm clawing my way to the top and I'm taking control. And you're also, I think, the only girl. Mm-hmm. Um, in like, so, so chivroy coded. So so <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've joked about this on Twitter before, but tag style or succession style tag mockumentary one. I want it. I want it. I'd write it for sure. I write it for sure. I love the tags. They're so shitty. Um, so that's, I love, I love writing cutthroat women. So she was, she was perfect. Um, and I love her. Uh, Me so yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always, I feel like it's trusting my gut when I'm like, this would be interesting. Um, then I look at why, but usually, usually it's just, you know, and then you just follow that. Sometimes you just know. <laughs> uh, the next question comes from Jacob at Jacob Bausch Boosh. I never know how to say it on Twitter. Uh, he asks, what was it like inheriting Chelly from Kieran Gillen? And how did you navigate handling what came before while also making it your own? Oh, my God. Talk about big shoes to fill. Um, 
God, Kieran and Sai are just so good. Um, I feel like I'm telling on myself, but Kieran is my very favorite um, comics writer. Uh, I just love his <laughs> stuff because it's so buck wild. And he's so like, go for the throat. Um, and I admire that so much. Um, so clever, funny, and like brutal. Um, and that's just perfect. I love it. That being said, um, when I think about who Afra is, I always go back to that very first arc, Kieran's very first arc, volume one. I read that and I was like, I know who you are. And she's evolved and changed over time. Um, and I thought Sai did a fantastic job of wrapping up her, her story in volume one. Um, but when I'm like, who are you? It always comes down to that um, at her very core. Um, that and then like the the sort of glass heart shattering arc of the very last, the very last arc that Sai Spurrier did. And so after reading that, I was like, how the hell am I going to write this character? Like there's... They did such amazing stuff with her. How how am I supposed to compare without letting everybody down? Like, uh, and and I think for me, I I knew that I wanted this first, like especially the first arc of my run, but the whole run to be very accessible. If you had never re read any Doctor Afra, and if you had been a hardcore fan, um, and that's a very very hard tightrope to walk. Um, I think, again, it was, what are the things I like about this character? What are the, the things that speak to me? How do I make that messier? Um, so I was like, okay, you're a hot mess. Um, you don't trust anybody. You will stab people in the back. And also you have exes who hate you. And your biggest fear is being vulnerable with other people. These are the things I know about you. I'm ready to write you. So that was, it was fun. <laughs> uh, this kind of goes into the, the previous question that you answered, but Jamal at jcomic7 on Twitter asks, what are some resources that were helpful for you when you first started making comic outlines slash scripts and what did your process look like? Is it a lot different now? That's a really good question. Did you know that there is no standardized format for like comic scripts? Because when I was trying to learn how to write them, I was like, I will look up like screenwriting. You're like, I'm going to look up what a screenwriting script looks like. Uh, I'm going to look up what the format for, you know, submitting science fiction fantasy short stories is because they do exist. That does not exist in comics. <laughs> Everyone does it differently. Um, and that's both terrifying and extremely freeing. <laughs> um, so I learned how to write, I would say I learned how to write comic scripts in ways that are helpful for other people from Greg Puck when I was um, co-writing uh, Arrow and Wave with him. Um, my format is very similar to his, um, but I think the things we focus on are, are different. Um, and I've adapted it since then, because at this point, I've written, I've written a stupid number of comics in a short time. Um, but um, I think that for me, the most important things are breaking down, thinking really hard about beats, um, story beats, breaking down each panel um, and being like, here's a still image and the character can only do so much in one panel, which I think is actually one of the hardest things for like prose writers to remember. 
So if you have Afra walking to, she walks down a hallway and then she picks up a mug, you got to pick one, right? So what can you, which one's more important? Do you need both? And what can you lose? And just like sort of infer, right? Um, so if you have her and Sana talking um, and then she walks down the hallway and then she picks up a mug, can you just have her and Sana talking and then she's the next panel, she's now down the hallway picking up the mug and looking back at Sana. So we see the trans, like we see her essentially transposed from place to place, but we can infer the motion. Um, so that's a very like technical answer. Um, but I also think the other thing that I found really helpful is um, numbering dialogue lines. Um, so when you have to adjust, you can get notes and be like, line number two, like panel one, line four, let's adjust to this. Um, and also it helps your letterer who has to figure out where the fuck all your text is going. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the biggest thing that really helped me was reading other people's scripts. And again, like I do with like the character process being like, here are the things I like, here's what I would throw out if I was doing it. Um, I have a hard time reading scripts that are really chunky. Um, so like, I think size scripts are very like cinematic um, and very specific, which I love, um, but they read a lot more like screenplays. Um, Greg's, I think, I think Greg actually comes out of film writing too, um, but his scripts are very pared down um, and leave a lot of room for interpretation for the artists and both are good. They're just different. Um, I'd like to think mine definitely, uh, he was a little closer to Greg's, um, but if it's specific, I'm gonna tell you exactly what I need. So, yeah. Yeah, I really like that answer. And I didn't know how like different each person's style was and that there wasn't like one specific style of writing for like screenwriting or something like that. That was really interesting to learn. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this question comes from Jay at Jay and Aria. <laughs> and he asks, what will, excuse me, what was it like to bring Triple Zero and BT back into Afra? And second, if you could have any character make a cameo in your Afra series, who would it be? Bringing back Trip and BT was fun. Um, just like Tolvin, I wanted to wait a bit um, to bring them back because um, we're like launching into like basically the second chapter of like Afra's life. I didn't want it you have such interesting dynamic characters who have big history with Afra. And the last thing I wanted was for that to sort of eclipse all the new stuff that we were doing. So I wanted to wait until we were a little bit more established and bring them in as side characters who can, you know, make what we're doing really, like really pop, you know? Um, I love Trip and BT. <laughs> I think the thing that actually made them click for me was listening to the Afra audiobook um the one by Sarah Kuhn um mm -hmm. because I heard Tripp's voice and I was like I know who you are now um <laughs> so when I write him I hear that guy's voice in my head um, <laughs> and uh I love him I think he's fun um and BT is just fun because I mean so tiny. murder droid yeah exactly <laughs> I I mean I think that again there's such strong presences that I was like, it's like, um, it's like adding oyster sauce to something. You want to give yeah. the right amount because it's so intense. Um, mm -hmm. 
and uh, I just I'm just glad I got to write them. It was fun. <laughs> Uh, if I could have a kidney of anyone, this is so hard. Um, Fennec. <laughs> I mean, for sure, Fennec. <laughs> um, I think Luke would be challenging. Um, I think it'd be fun to see him like bump into Afra again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, God, yeah, no, I think those are my answers, um, for sure. Yeah, so just for, just to kind of prep you a little bit, these two questions, these next two questions may be a little bit heavy. Um, so if you want, you can, you know, step away from them if you need to, but Matthew Clemente at Matt E TCG on Twitter asks, when going through mental health problems, how do you muster up the motivation to keep on writing, even when you want to write either for fun or professionally? That's a really good question. I think, I think the most important thing um, when you're going through like a mental health crisis or even like just a bad brain day, like a very little one, I think the most important thing to remember is that you are the most important thing. You're more important than your work. You're more important than your writing. And it's the most important to take care of yourself. It, you know, for me, when my brain is bad, um, I tend to, uh, <laughs> I either tend to write a lot because I'm just like, I don't want to be here. Um, or I tend to be like, I can't do anything and I'm just going to lie in bed. Um, I also tend to shut myself off from people. So, but some, and sometimes that is what I need and sometimes it's not. And I think that when you are having trouble um staying motivated i think you should ask yourself if that is if writing is helping you right now um because sometimes it it sometimes it isn't and sometimes it is so i found that when i am my brain is like going through something very intense writing gives me a small problem to solve that helps um and it helps distract me and it helps me process what i'm thinking about so the TLDR there is writing can be helpful, but also it's okay to give yourself a break. Do not beat yourself up because you're not making the work that you wanna make. Um, don't beat yourself up because you feel like you're behind. Um, remember that you are the most important thing and you should reach out to the people that you need around you or take care of yourself in the best way that you can, whatever that looks like. Um, because you can't, it's like you can't pour from an empty cup, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that a lot of creative people um, sometimes tie their, uh, <laughs> tie their creative output and the work that they make to their self-worth. Um, and I think it's really important to remember that that is not the case. Um, you know, the biggest thing that you can do is take care of yourself and give yourself the chance to recharge so that when you do make work, you'll be able to. And I think if the work is becoming a distraction or if it's becoming a problem that's making things worse in your life, it's okay to just walk away. 
for a while or forever or whatever. Probably not forever though. Um, you know, I think that's something that it took me a while to learn. Um, and just, I don't know. You're worth it. Take care of yourself. <laughs> I appreciate that answer very much. And I appreciate you, you know, being honest because I feel like that's something that's lacking nowadays. <laughs> but this next one could also be really personal. I just wanted to let you know. But Leah at Deus Ex Valorate on Twitter asks, Kofan Ferris means a lot to your trans audience as one of the few characters whose gender modality influences their experiences. This influence was especially seen in the Barleth flashback where their ID with their dead name on it was questioned. You've mentioned that you weren't sure they'd be around very long at first, but was their gender modality and its influence on their backstory and character always a part of them? Yes, I always knew. I was like, this character is non-binary, this character is trans from the very beginning. Um, and I mean, I talk a lot about how I didn't think I'd be able to get away with, with stuff. Um, I worked in environments where I was like, I would like to have a non-binary character or like a trans character. And, um, you know, I always got told no. So I was like, okay, we're just gonna sneak this under the wire, under the wire and hope no one notices until it's too late. Um, but from the very start with with Ko, um, I knew, and I was like, I'm not compromising on this. Um, and when I wrote that scene, um, the University of Barleth scene, um, I was pretty sure that that was like, I was like, this is where Lucasfilm is going to tell me absolutely not. Um, and I got notes back, and they were they were so supportive um and I think that's when I knew that I was like I'm writing something that like I feel like I can finally actually pour myself into and feel safe doing so that's when I knew I was like this is something special um so the the short answer is yes I always knew um and it was really important for me to have a character who was explicitly trans and and we weren't beating around the bush about it and um who's like a real like complex character um that's something i would have wanted to see um and sometimes if no one's making you food you got to make your own food um and it means a lot to me that so many other people have really come to embrace co <laughs> and um that it's made people feel seen um so that's special thank you i know leo's really gonna like that answer because i know she really feels and relates to ko a lot so just stepping away from more of the heavier topics uh claire from claire crease on twitter and fulcrum transmissions asks was there one particular character in this afro run that was more difficult to write slash find the right headspace for hmm Holden. Holden's hard um i'm not good with characters who care about rules it's just not like in my dna <laughs> um <laughs> and i think Tolvin's tricky because she has a really interesting compelling journey in 
like Kieran and size run. Um, you know, you go from uh, being a part of like a fascist military um, to being uh, to being a rebel. Um, and um, so when I was going to reintroduce her, I was like, we got to talk about that. Um, but how do I do it in a, in like two panels? <laughs> I do it in two panels in a way that feels really real. Um, and so figuring out Tolvin and her motivation and um, basically why she's like, yeah, I've, I've decided I'm going to devote myself to this cause. And I think it's because she needs a cause to devote herself to. I think she's very, very principled. And when she discovered that what she dedicated her life to was actually real bad, she was like, got to find something else. Um, I think she's a person with really strong convictions. And finding that was, I was like, this is what appeals to me about you. So once I have that, I can write pretty much anybody. But it's finding that that's sometimes really hard for me. And then our last question, I'm not sure if you're going to know who this is from. Uh, but Ethan the Valance Destroyer at Ethan J Sachs on Twitter. Oh my god, Ethan! <laughs> he asked that's me- what he named himself. Yeah. Just so you know. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Ethan the Valance Destroyer asks, what should be Afra's theme song or the song you listen to when writing the series? And then he says, tell them they are awesome. I'm gonna cry. I love you, Ethan. You're the best. Oh, <laughs> Ethan, Ethan is a sweetie. He's such a nice, nice person. Um, God. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, fun facts. Uh, every issue has a different theme song, um, and it's a th- it's a song that I listen to when I'm writing it. Um, what is a good one? I mean, I've been on an antihero kick right now, recently uh it's a very very good one and i think that is a great that's probably the oh <laughs> yeah Swift's right here yes. oh yes absolutely we're, we're a swifty podcast minus hayden I... <laughs> I i'm also a swifty i think um let me think i think antihero is probably the the theme song for issue 30 um, I mean, I, I think I have, um, I have a, I have actually two playlists. I'm still working on my second one. Um, but they're basically just like sad, sapphic songs. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. I think right now it's Antihero, um, for 31. I would say it's like, my playlist is basically like a little bit of Taylor Swift, uh, Zelita, Fletcher, um and water parks for your <laughs> yeah <laughs> for your for your sad fuckboy energy which i think after embodies um, yeah <laughs> so. i feel like <laughs> so true austin and afra are actually so similar <laughs> very what do you think about it <laughs> very similar wait I am. here's here's my question is afra hey mama's lesbian <laughs> 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 that's a good question oh my god so i i actually don't i actually don't know because i don't i i need to look that up 
<laughs> so we'll I can't believe again. I'm the one who's introducing you to the concept of a hey mama's lesbian. <laughs> I can't believe I'm looking this up right now. Yes. Yeah. I Oh god, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, 100%. Oh no, baby. What a ooh. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> no, I mean that's why I mean that's why like um that's why Zelina and and Fletcher feature pretty prominently and also like I said Austin Knight like yeah, 100%. Yeah. Oh man, there's um I think Waterpark's Funeral Gray is um for me that's a, a Coendetta song. So for sure. Um, God, I'm sorry, Ethan, I'm going to plague you with my song recommendations now, so <laughs> hope you're ready. Too bad for you. <sighs> well, that's all the listener questions we have for you. Um, we do have Kessel Run Book Club, which we can kind of just glance over for the comics for the past couple weeks because we haven't recorded since then. Uh, but the, I think the three that came out were Afro 28, Sauna Stars 1, and The Blade Number 2, which I think we should start off with Afro 28. Um, <laughs> what an issue. What an issue. It was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Round of applause. It was, it was so good. Thank you. It was challenging. Um, I think there were like 19 characters I was trying to balance in 20 Oof. pages. Uh, operating in six different independent groups, so it's <laughs> a lot going fun. on. <laughs> yeah, it was fun, so fun. Also, Ronan got what he deserved. By the way, finally, true. Yeah. yeah, I remember when I was reading it for yeah, I was in like the middle of reading it. I was either like in the beginning or the middle. <laughs> I texted our Discord or I tweeted something that was like Ronan gives me the creeps, and then by the end of the issue, I was like deserved <laughs> thank you i was i gotta say about that is domin is now two for two that yeah. <laughs> it's literally tag succession succession success whatever succession. the word is <laughs> the like, only way that i would accept kira dying is in fact if domina stops her, her. yeah <laughs> But like genuinely, you know, she does the ventures thing the where she around. where she stabs Kira, she kisses her on the mouth, and then leaves her to die. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Oh, I, lo- I love that because <laughs> then that that gives me sapphic Kira as well. So it's a it's a two for two. <laughs> I love that. The vision. <laughs> vision, the vision is strong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think we can we can discern that. Afro 28, two thumbs up for us. <laughs> I would um, give it three if I had an extra hand. <laughs> so, Sauna Stars number one came out this week from Justina Ireland. Uh, it was announced at NYCC, I think. And mm-hmm. I, I loved this issue. Like the, the pacing, the kind of humor the the messy family stuff I think it all worked really well with the Starles family and it's really exciting to see like 
all the Staroses because we've seen like Gira and the High Republic. I don't know if there's any Staroses in phase two. I haven't seen that yet. But like seeing how not the treachery, but like how the character traits are passed down through the Staros family. And I was actually looking at pictures of Gira's, like, I think it was her concept art and like the zigzag pattern that Sana has, like, in her introduction on like her scarf and her skirt. That it, Justina is almost like framing it as a symbol of the Staros clan. And on Gira Staros's like little pendant, they, it has like the little chevron zigzag things. So I don't know. Cool. I think that was a really cool revelation. I think we also saw Fel wearing it and like a shirt. And I, I forget her name. Aisha? Arisha? I don't remember her name. I might have to recap that. But I really liked how they all had this like really interesting dynamic. And I honestly really hope that it get that it gets extended beyond a miniseries because I would love a full series with all these characters. But yeah, Liv, Alyssa, what did you think? <laughs> I, I'm I, here for Sana, always. Always. Yeah. I, I, lo- I love it so much. Um, this is, re- I just remembered I have to answer an email from Justina. So <laughs> um, <laughs> don't, don't listen to this, Justina. Um, but yeah, um, I love it. I think it's, I think it's lovely. I think it's brilliant. It's fun. Um, I remember when Justina pitched the concept and I was like, this is, I would kill a man to read this. This is amazing. It's perfect. <laughs> so good. Two thumbs up for me. <laughs> uh, and then we can just kind of touch on the blade number two. Barash is very pretty. Yes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I. Ugh. Barash and Porter. Smash. What? <laughs> <laughs> <I> Meme. <laughs> The bisexual agenda. The bisexual yeah. agenda. At work. Yeah. It's working. <laughs> but anyway, Barach is very pretty. Absolutely. <laughs> One thing I also love about the blade is that the we we saw Porter introduced in Light of the Jedi. And we're getting a lot of his backstory. And I have been a fan of this. We're getting, we're probably getting the backstory of the Barash vow, which scares me. And when I put the two and two together, oh, I don't like that smile. It was scary. (laughs) When I put the two and two together, I was like, oh no, it is bad for Barash. But yeah, blade number two, also excellent. Um, And I think, oh, I'm squinting my eyes again. think that was all that came out the past couple weeks oh no i missed my tiktok now that was sad but anyway looking forward to next week before we get into our literacy update we have vader 31 higher public 5 and hidden empire 3 oh yeah (laughs) oh no (laughs) I'm We're so scared. Worried for Chanith Cha. Yeah. That's it. That's oh. it. Okay, I think yeah. Kira's fine for this week, but Chanith Cha. Chanith Cha <laughs> is not looking good for her, girly. I, because Charles and I have been, we've been talking story a lot for. In cahoots. <laughs> well, I remember reading the script and I'm very excited. 
I really enjoyed it. So I hope you'll enjoy it too. Yay! I hope so. <laughs> I think it's I think it's very good. So <laughs> look forward to it. Oh. Scary. Oh no. <laughs> oh. <sighs> but anyway, literacy update. Um, Liv, have you been literate recently? No. <laughs> I have. I've actually been very literate. So I started reading Star Wars Republic, which is like, well, it was Star Wars and then it got rebranded as Star Wars Republic from Dark Horse. That's on Marvel Unlimited, but they need to fix their search function. But anyway, first six issues, story about Keanu Mundi. Very sorry. I could not give less of a shit about Keanu Mundi. It, <laughs> he, he has a bunch of wives and he has a bunch of daughters. Like, okay, sorry. Oh, and man. then- <laughs> and then I started reading uh Star Wars Empire which I think was 2002 uh got an issue in and it was just a bunch of people plotting to overthrow Vader something I personally had seen before so then I moved on to Star Wars Rebellion where I got a new pathetic man uh Janik Sunber he's yeah he's so balance coded <laughs> it's insane. Luke Skywalker to him is what Han Solo is to balance. So I'm, and there's also a shirtless scene, which I did appreciate. Uh, but book wise, I am in the middle of the solo novelization. I Finally. got to, I just got to the part when Han reunites with Kira. There were some tears last night. That, Mer Lafferty, I am in your walls. <laughs> uh, but uh, Emily, how has your literacy been faring? Um, it's pretty good. I uh, finished the second book in that F1 romance series that I'm reading. It was way better than the first one. I liked the characters much better. Still don't know shit about F1, but I just like, <laughs> I just like, my family is really into F1. So I thought it would be funny if I read the F1 romance <laughs> books. And I just asked my sister questions about who do you think this driver is based on? Or like, what does it mean? Like, what do you think this team is? um you'll have to get me up with the titles of those books because I have I I just need to know I need to know (laughs) (laughs) um and then I was gonna read Thrawn Treason and I got like 15 pages in but then uh things happened and I decided that that was uh, too much for me now so instead I'm reading uh because of Miss Bridgerton which is the prequel series to the Bridgerton novels, which I read all last year. Um, it's, it's good so far. It's fun. I like uh, Julia Quinn's writing style quite a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I probably so this is only four books. So I probably will also finish this series this year. But uh, I feel it may be a historical romance kick coming on from me. So. <laughs> <laughs> so Alyssa, how has your literacy been faring? We like to ask our guests what oh, they've been reading. <laughs> Uh, I would say so-so. Um, I sound so bad. I was like, I've been so busy, like, just getting, like, writing all this stuff that I have not had a ton of time to read. Um, mm. that being said, I did actually just, uh, smash my way through Midnight Horizon yet again. Um, cause, uh, which is why I was thinking about Crash and Zeno. Um, but uh, it's just, it's, it's really good. 
um mm-hmm. and i'm impressed because i think daniel wrote it in like 17 days or some shit which is crazy wow i know it's, it's it's one of my favorite star wars books it's it's so good it's really the character work is just incredible yeah um there's that scene where um i think discaro just got super duper murdered and yeah. she's like staring at his body and um she's just like completely in shock and then Spino, she hears like Spino's voice and um there's a bit that sort of like she just wants to and she just wants to curl up in that voice you know forever and I was like this is they're in love when are they getting married oh my god kiss on the mouth Corellian royalty in my opinion <laughs> <laughs> no I just said I love it I just love oh. it so much <laughs> Um, and I can make jokes about it too because I finally read it after months of nagging. I read it. And now Belle can't throw me in the Tams anymore. But anyway, <laughs> um, thank you so much to Alyssa for coming on our podcast. We loved talking with you and talking about our silly little guys and, you know, just chatting. Um, thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, thank you for coming on. I, you can follow us on our social medias, which will again be in the description. Uh, please email us. We do like listener questions. Love we questions. do like our little questions. Stay tuned for a sticker announcement for celebration. We've come up with some funky little designs that we'll be giving out for free. Um, so please come take them because I did spend a lot of time on them. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you so much to Alyssa again for coming on our podcast. Thank you for listening and may the force be with you.